I'm just a gentleman, never been a gangster. So when I'm peddling, I'm only out here trying to make something. So what the devil did, he come around and start to shake stuff. Start bus, ride home, it's 10 o'clock. Welcome, welcome to the Coolest Gents Alive podcast. I am Lexi Supervillain, aka Fanny Pack Copy, in the building. We got. <laughs> well, I did, we, I did not expect. <laughs> it's my new thing. It's my know. new thing. It's my new thing. I'm, just, I'm embracing the dad life. You Is that your main aspect? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> the intro. Yeah, yeah, okay. man. I like it now. Okay. Um, Go ahead, introduce yourself, player. What's up, Bob? Then we got. I don't have a flashy intro like that. Um, we're working on it. Yeah, um, it's yeah. a process. Your marketing team is crunching the, the numbers and getting they're getting <laughs> it together for him. Thanks. And then, but today we are with the one only Mr. Akeem J. Lafayette. Please introduce yourself to the people. What's going on, y'all? It's your boy Akeem the King. That's usually what I go by. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's an honor. It's a pleasure to actually be on here. You know, people are my guys. You know, that's going to be on here, brother. Trust yeah, me. That's something um, adult that's impactful, and I think, you know, it's necessary at this current time about the topics that y'all talking about and the type of people that y'all introducing and interviewing. So it's, it's great, man. It's an honor to be on here. I'm about to say, tell them about what you do and everything like that. Be uh, like, so like let's give it the intro. No, nah, yeah, um, man. Yeah, man. Um, I am curator, creative director, uh, junior producer, project manager. I have a company called Atypical Society, okay. which pretty much we do strategy building, um, content creation, marketing strategies, brand development uh, for small businesses and creatives. So like visual artists, performing artists, and you know, uh, music artists or looking to take their, you know, their brand to the next level. You know, being able to connect the dots and help them, you know, uh, utilize and build the right resources. So I do that. Um, I do a whole bunch of stuff. I'm an MC host, you know. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah I you had a the comedy show a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, and I, and, and, I, and, and you know, to be honest, <laughs> a lot of people was like, yo, you should have hosted it. And I was like, I should have. After I, I, I was there and I was just like, and it's funny because the other day I said, um, I was talking to my guy, Jet, and at times, you know, I, for myself, speaking for myself, I'm too humble, you know, and it's like at the point, like, yo, you have something to offer. Like, sometimes it's good to play the back, but I'm the type of person where I'm realizing, like, I really got to be in the forefront. I got to be in front of the camera. I got to be the one because a lot of people uh, listen to what I say. A lot of right. people are, you know, influenced by you know, my energy, my aura, and, and, and just what I stand for, you know, what I advocate for. So, yeah, um, yeah I do a lot of stuff, man. I, I'm just in the creative realm, entertainment, multimedia, and, you know, I am also have uh, a Black Men's Hill group. It's called the Divine Men's Council. Yes, and sir. Fellowship is necessary. You yes. That already. yes, 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 yes. And that initiative is to pretty much help uh, Black men uh, around the world, the nation, wherever we want to touch base and, and give healing. Give us space for men to be vulnerable, to vent, to have that brotherhood, that camaraderie, and, and being able to, you know, leverage your resources to really scale and grow. Uh, there's not really too many spaces where men can actually be themselves, right? You know, and, and, and have a place of healing. You know, a lot of a lot of us was conditioned to not um, take really those precautionary steps and cultivate your emotions right you yeah, know right. it was it, it wasn't really as a kid or at least for me and i know for so many black men 
you know, it was like, yo, you gotta be tough, brush that off, men don't cry. All these stigmas and stereotypes that have been carried on us, you know, it's like, we have to break that because we're at a very pivotal, pivotal time in history. So it's just like, we need to step up as black men and our community needs us, our women need us, our children need us. You know, we have to break that negative and unhealthy behavior and mentality and start having more healthier relationships and impact on the world around us. And because it's a lot, it's a lot of mixing with like duality, you know what I mean? Where it's yeah. like, we're just too, too much on one side of the extreme. You know, I always, whenever I kind of go down that, that line of dialogue, you know, a lot of people will, will say, you know, well, you make it seem like everything that's been going on is just terrible. It's not that everything is terrible. It's just that it's, it's one side of an extreme. Yeah. And it, and if you can't play both sides of the coin, then we're, we're missing out on vital parts of life. Yeah. Um, so, you know, great to hear all of the stuff, man. I'm, I was supposed to go to a comic show, but parent life, I'm trying to find a babysitter. I should have the virtual one, but I wasn't even thinking about it. It's not cool. um, Wait, oh, I thought you meant, never mind. I was like, I was like, you did virtual babysitter? But never mind. <laughs> Nothing. I, I wouldn't trust it. You nah. ever heard of that one app? What was that thing with the, with the cat? Where the kids were playing the app? It was like uh, something time or something like that. Yeah. The cat. It was an iPhone app. The kids oh, was playing it. And it was like, people were hacking it and talking to the kids. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I wouldn't do no virtual babysitter. Somebody hacked it. I was just, that's why I was like, wait a minute. Uh, you know, virtual stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's just because it's like now. A little too like, Black Mirror for me. Nah, it's right. right. <laughs> no, because it's like the world is starting to open back up to uh, normalcy. Yeah. Like, even now, like when I went to, to, to Hank for this physical therapy, like now there's letting people in the hospital. Okay. Yeah. okay. So I was just like, like the whole time the way I took him this year, like you had to wait outside, you had to go yeah. to the car, you know, do the social distance thing. It was like, you can come inside. And I was like, oh, shoot. So, like, everything's now. That's that. Exactly. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the case? I was prepared for it. Ain't that the kicker? You know. But I didn't think it was going to come like that quick. It, it, nobody did. It, it, like I was waiting for, I was like, oh, I'm gonna get a normal back up thing, you know, a year or two. But like, I thought it was gonna like slowly enter into it. No, niggas just said, "Fuck it, we gonna follow Florida." Just full on. But is it? But the question is, is it normal? Because now there's prejudice. There's people who wear their masks. So. Still, and that's fine. And that's fine. But I'm saying now there's prejudice. There's, we know that was gonna happen. There's, there's people who are like, "Oh, you're not wearing a mask, bro." Oh my God, you're still wearing a mask. So it's not. Now there's another. There's another, there's another little ampersand, little, little, you know, little versus sign in the community. So that's, that's true. That's where I already knew what was going. But um, yeah, man. Today we're gonna get into the usual topic for season two. We've been asking a lot of people, what does it mean to be you? Um, a lot of people have kind of told us, you know, they not really sat and thought about it. The way that I kind of secondhand communicate that is just so. With going back, doing a quick like, you ever seen the movie Butterfly Effect? Yeah, I actually, picture. Really, really good John. Really, really good John. Really a good lot job. of people talked about that. Movie, I thought it was a. Not. I thought it was a movie about somebody with superpowers. It was really about mental health, and mm-hmm. I really dived into it the other day with a friend um, who studied psychi- psychology. So she was like, "Yo, yeah, this shit is hitting." Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but happened. if you were to review your life and look at all of the lows, highs, and middles, the moments that create you, um, you know. What did all of that equal up to? When you look back at those moments and you say, damn, I went through this, or I did that, I accomplished this, I accomplished that. Um, what does it really all come down to? Yeah, come down because to for you. I think, like, why we kind of revamped this question, because first it was just, what does it mean to be a man? But mm. we went through so many different personalities through this season. Yeah. Uh, 
it's just that everybody that we've talked to come from similar, but really vast different, you know, backgrounds and journeys and different paths. That's what their perception on what a man is. Exactly. Yeah. Or just what it is to be you. And it just, like, the answers have been interesting. I've quite. been, I've been quite. really been waiting for yours. Mm. Yeah, quite. So, um, I, I, I'll give you a taste. My, for me, what does it mean to be me is that I'm a teacher. So, I'm going to have bad students. Yeah. I'm going to have people who just wasn't picking up the knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, and it's going to hurt me. I'm going to be like, damn, you know, I feel like I could have had that person pass this class. But just like any good teacher, I got to get the next The next class is coming. Yeah. You know, there's always somebody to teach. There's always people to teach. And to be a good teacher, you yourself have to be a good student. You know, you, all, you have to be continuously learning. That's why I have this. Um, there's a quote that I live by is that um, I'm paraphrasing, but it is said that there are two people who are never satisfied, the lover of knowledge and the lover of peace. Because there's always a conflict to resolve and there's always somebody to teach. Yeah, I like that. Hmm. What does it mean to be me? Yeah. Out of all your trials, tribulations, and everything you have to I feel like I've answered this question before, mm -hmm. but it can always change. Damn, can, that's the beauty of it. It, it, it can change. It almost should change. In the right circumstances. Like as you get new wants, new needs, um, as you accomplish new things. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a, it's a forever, it's forever growth taking place. Mm -hmm. So it's like different phases. I mean, when it, when it was younger to be me, was to just be free. I didn't want to be restricted. I and I and I equate this a lot to my sign, to my zodiac, to my to astrology because I I'm really firm on that. It's the reason why the ancestors use the zodiacs to translate language and information. Um, and what is your sign? I'm Aquarius. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. I see that. So I am an Aquarius, which is the water bearer, and my moon sign is the Libra. My rising is Virgo, and I'm very much Dang. very much like honed in on that as the years as I've got older to understand yeah. like how those play in the constellation through different phases and the seasons and through the years I have grown. Before what it means to be me was to like be free. What I didn't want people to tell me what they think I should do. I didn't like the conditional love aspect of like society. Yeah. I like being able to hear you out but then afterwards assess it to make my own decision on what was best for me. That has that has been constantly who I am. And even as a kid, I used to move like that. I move like that now. Um, but even one thing I realized was um, what made me who I am is not letting the stereotypes define me that much. I'm not gonna hold you. I have been conditioned in, in, in many ways because it's really it's really hard to not be conditioned if you don't have parents who are not free mentally, spiritually, emotionally. So I did get a little bit of conditioning, but I did realize that that this the infrastructure didn't define me, the conditions didn't define me, that I still had an opportunity to create my own narrative for myself. And once I really just started going through life, I went through a lot of different like aspects of life, like. I was conceived because my mom was raped, and so I don't have a father figure. I would never be able to have a father in my life. So 
going through that experience, I I always wonder who would I would be if I if I had a father. Would I be more disciplined as a man, or would I not? You know, would it have changed the outcome of how I live, or would it be working? Yeah, I faced that for a while. You know, I'm I'm not um, I'm not afraid to be vulnerable because there's nothing that you can't tell me about myself that I don't already know. And that's a good that's a good sign. Great place like, to be. By yourself. Great place to be. Because not a lot of people can really even look at themselves. Like I don't know if you told me or was somebody else that so like there was an exercise where like a, a psychologist made somebody themselves like dead ass mirror. You can't probably me. Yeah, that makes me undo all the time. Like mm -hmm. they couldn't even like do with like twenty seconds to like break it down. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people are not comfortable with what they look like, and they're not comfortable with what they see in the because, mirror. Yeah, because that's just like. To me, I, I tried it too. I it gets like, freaky. I, I like a minute. Try on some psychedelics. Then, 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 then we're talking heavy. It's challenging because, like, for so long, somebody came into your parents or whoever your caregiver was. They they brought you into this life, or you came into this life, and they already had a blueprint of how you should be. Mm -hmm. Instead of building the infrastructure of resources to allow you to find that on yourself but still in a safe way you know, this you know? is where i tell a lot of people when i was younger in anxiety i didn't really realize my privilege now granted it wasn't as maximum as it could have been but what you're describing is my father yeah um you know he had battles with my mother that separated us for a time and then he, he himself went to jail but I always say, had I grown up in that environment, that's because that's how he is now. Yeah. You know, it's like I would like for you to be doing this, and I'm gonna voice my opinion. He's a Scorpio, so you're gonna say what the hell you want to say. However, it's you still do what you want to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's still your life. You're still a man, and then especially with him coming from jail, he understood that I made a lot of bad decisions out of stress. Yeah. Trying to replace what he was supposed to be for me. Yeah. And I lived, and I, I didn't get, I didn't. I didn't fall in jail. I didn't die. You know, I I pretty much got out unscathed. Honorable student, scholarship to college. So he's just like, I give you that respect as a man from a man. Yeah. That you know, I can, I can let you do what you got to do. And it's always kind of been that space. It was obviously tighter when I was younger and he was in my life. But as I grew, it was also more about here are the resources that I'm gonna provide you with. But to get the resources, you do gotta sit and listen to your father for like three hours. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, the price. I was like in the exact opposite. My dad was very militant, mm -hmm. had my whole life planned out this time of third, and like, I said, instead of like, you know, straight A's, honorable scholarships, I was almost in jail, almost been killed, so I was around for all those types of things. And then, like, me and my father lived in the same house for like three years, and that's all we did. I didn't mm -hmm. like Mm. And it was like, I didn't get to a mutual agreement until like senior year. Yeah. So I was just like, he literally just kind of was like, all right, well, what the fuck you want to do for, like, you know, when you graduate? Because you got like six months before you get out of my house. Like, I don't even care. I don't know how to take care. And I told him what I wanted to do, and he was just like, you go ahead and try that shit. And I was like, you're going to be homeless. Like, you told me straight up, you know, all that. And, you know, I went his route with the military and all that came out. And he saw how he kind of messed up. Like, it, it took him a while because he was just so strict in the way, like, nah, you may not like it, but it's yours. And are you the best thing for you to send a right. without taking my, you know, mental needs into any uh, 
any consideration. Correct. And to the point where he didn't really finally snap or understand until like I had to call him from the DEA yeah. saying I was about to kill myself. They were gonna keep me there for like, you know, two weeks like strapped up, locked down yeah. and stuff. And I think then after that he started to pay more attention to it, which yeah. you know, it kinda of sucks that it took that to do that, but you know, I can say throughout the later years of his life before he passed, you know, like we had at least a mutual understanding yeah. to where it was like he saw what I was doing with, you know, camera production and all that. He was just like, you know, I'm actually proud of you for your work of it. Yeah. Like, I'm glad to play with your playing fashion to so what you used to do in production. So, and that's that's really back to like the main question. What makes me is is that resilience, you know, the strength, the confidence the the growth you know the fact that i was able to move out of a space of poverty and and scarcity and move to a place of abundance um what makes me is like me man everything that i have been through the strifes the struggles the greatness the accomplishments it all makes me it's, it's nothing that i would you know um i don't regret anything you know so honestly my journey is what makes me you know and I'm appreciative of that and being able to connect uh, with the individuals that I have encountered throughout the years and people playing seats and people coming and going, you know, all those experiences. So that's what makes me, you know, it's it's, it's not complex, but it's it's everlasting, you know, it's everlasting. It's just, it's, You're from the, uh, the city of Wilmington, right? I am born and raised native here, you know. Um, it's very interesting because I have a uh, have a love hate relationship with Wilmington. <laughs> I do, yeah. and I, I I brought that up because you're from a generation of Wilmington that I kind of grew up as a child. Um, you get what I mean? Yeah. And so I definitely have seen the switch, and I uh, I was just I was wondering more so about you know taking your journey of Wilmington as a child going as now as a man. I've been through so many phases of Wilmington. It was very interesting because it was, well, I, like I was raised, I, I literally lived on almost every side of Wilmington except for South Ridge and Riverside. And each side gave a different perspective. Um, of course, the most, the more hood spots I was in was like East Side, that was over North Side. And that's where I learned like my my hunger, right. my hunger for survival, my hunger for the grind, my street smarts. And back then, yeah, it was it was a lot of like it was it was bad shit happening, you know, as a kid. Um, but if you, it was a different creed and code. I will say, back in the day, like how niggas be killing people's whole families now and having no remorse and killing kids and shit like that. That wasn't happening. Like, it was like, you don't touch the women and you don't touch the kids. Yeah. And that was like kind of the thing back in the day. Yeah, and you deal with people directly involved. Yeah, it was more it's, for anything. Yeah, it was like a creed. Business, yeah, it was a creed that was like that, that was in place. Um, now it's just like... It's totally different. It's yeah. totally different because you gotta also think about what the city actually looked like back then. The city had actually somewhat cared about allocating resources to 
programming for youth development or youth outreach. We have way more community centers. Yeah. We have way more programs happening in the in the communities. You had uh, the basketball leagues. Yeah. You know, um, Storm and Norman. Like everybody played in that. But you had Browns Community Center that was really jumping at that time. You had Jackson Street Boys and Girls Club that was jumping at that time. The center was really a, a really dope place. I used to be at Frame the Boys and Girls. Club. I was about to say Frames. I yeah. literally went to every single one of those places. Um, the Salvation Army, the Sal, they, they had a lot of stuff going on. It just was a lot more for the youth to be active with. And I think that's the huge difference between Wilmington back then yeah. versus now. Yeah. Like, us growing up as kids, teenagers, we had so much more to do. And even like, to even, do like activity-wise, like... Even like swag parties, like you couldn't that's do... That's what I'm saying! You, you right couldn't now, do a swag we, party today. No! because somebody's gonna be... It was so up. jumping, like UD actually had a, a black body student there that had like parties at Trabant mm -hmm. that was fucking lit. Trabant parties was uh -huh. lit. You had to think about like Quest that had the popping parties, and even though it was a little hood, but the parties was lit. It yeah, was so yeah, many cool. different... You could have fun. It's like you now, could have fun. It's, I think it's like now too. Not even even pre-pandemic. Like I think it's just made it worse for this generation and probably like some of my our, our generation. Yeah. It really, for people to socialize because no. there's nothing there for y'all. Yeah. For one, y'all are technology baby boomers. Yeah. So y'all so engrossed into let me be on my phone. Let me just be on my phone. Let me develop apps. Let and me it, be so technology based. And it, it, it was crazy for me during that time to see the shift happen. Like, let's say at the ticket swag party. Swag party went from everybody dancing, sweating, having a good time to, and this is one of the things I always attribute to a lot of the different levels of violence and disrespect is just the exposed culture that came with social media. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. With women and with men, you know, yeah. like it'll be like a dude. And they might be like, oh, he really a bum. Like, this is what his house looks like. Whatever the case yep. may be, whatever. Um, you know, you had people who were afraid to be themselves outside. Yep. Because they were afraid to be, you know, exposed I've, later on. I've know, never like, seen such a generation of kids who really want to be. Like, born in three, four, five bedroom houses. Want to be from the slum, but, like, so bad. I'm like, why? Like, and then we had that as well, yeah. The perceptions that social media has created for like y'all generation, I would say 25 and, and less. Mm -hmm. it, the perception it has created for y'all has definitely steered y'all in the wrong direction. But I don't blame y'all. Right. I don't blame y'all because it's also about like my generation and the generation before, what did they have in place to combat these things? And this is what the black community that suffers at times is our projections on how we should, you know, cultivate um, infrastructure for us. I don't think we're not ahead of the curve a lot of the times. And this is why our children suffer so much. And if we are, then we have a hard time really building a sustainable uh, infrastructure that will have longevity. And so when it comes to that inheritance, passing it down, we have really no inheritance that's being passed down. Yeah. So a lot of our, 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 our teenagers, our young adults are missing out on a lot. And so y'all feel as though y'all are out here fending for yourselves. And this is what causes that resentment within y'all. But like, I don't care anymore. I'm doing it by myself because there was nobody there for me. It's, it, they have created such a system of the individualistic mentality within y'all that y'all like, I don't care. I'll do it by myself. I'm all alone. Not realizing that is creating the, 
But yeah, like the social disorders um, that are like present now, all these contributing variables that are like taking place is just really detrimental to you guys. And it's it's the little things like um like I said I have a I have a female friend she studies psychology so we always joke about shit. Yeah. Um, we was talking about how um. Nobody even plays like Wii Sports anymore. You know, like like little like you know what I mean. Or like like who's coming together to play like Uno and stuff. You know what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. and it does, I don't, I don't want to sound like the old guy in the room, but it's so there's so little attraction to getting together and doing something as, as you know as a group. You know, my attack. Yeah, manhunt. That's what I'm saying. Like, like I started noticing that because like so in my neighborhood, like. I guess like I'm starting to see the new. I was like I'm starting to grow. I see the new generation yeah, starting yeah. to come up. But I'm happy, you know, they don't move the fuck out the road when I pull in. But um, because I swear to God, but um, I'm so happy because it's like I see them riding bikes. I see them playing yeah. and stuff like that. And that's just like something that was. Boring. And they do that. They do that. Like uh, my little brother, he's 16. He just stopped, you know, going outside. Like literally in the last year. Like, no, but they're turning hmm. that age, and they're still like doing it. I'm just like, thank you, Christ. All right. Yeah. It's um, like so many kids, especially you know, starting rural right. Like I'm not gonna say racist, say that. It's fucking here. Um, yeah. You know, we're conditioned to just be inside. Be safe. Well, yeah. The, in, the inside thing has been conditioned way before pandemic. You yeah. Know what I mean, like. Yeah. But like now, like when like, you're the same, kind of like fortified. Nobody peeped the same year that they had the the, the Nintendo DS drop was the same year that they started putting out different. Uh, Ways to track your kids. What were they doing? The thing at school where your parents would get a little card. It was just yeah. It was becoming like this way of like keep them inside, have them play the video game, yeah. you know. Um, and even going back to you know speaking on Wilmington, like I grew up in Newark, but I had family that lived over Northside, so we always was over there. Yeah. Um, and uh, looking at the programs in Newark, Holy Angels still stands. All of the football team still stands. It's so hard to run a football league that's in town, even kind of going into Castle. A friend of mine runs an in-town Castle League, and he said it's it's draining because he he kind of understands how teachers feel because he invests so much money into it because otherwise the parents just won't do it. No. And it's because, it's like, you got to understand your demographic. Like, most of the people in these impoverished areas they're not their income is probably what 30,000, 33,000, maybe 23,000 a household. What is that? That's that's not even that's hard to feed one person, you know. So, we got to think about that disposable income that is for extracurricular activities. There is none. Well, I, I play devil's advocate on that. But I realized, so there's this, I don't know if you've ever seen the show, Failure Our Parents. All right, so we got the Dinklebirds, right? Mm-hmm. Dink means dual income, no kids. But I realized that in the hood, there's a lot of dual and multiple incomes in certain households, but we're not looking at it as a power move. We're looking at it as, well, John sleep on the couch, and Uncle Larry never left grandma's house, but everybody kind of has like some job. You know, it's not like crazy amounts of money. But if you really were to pull together the resources, Yearly, you're looking at some households who are actually making sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year, but they have no idea how to allocate resources. Because, like I said, they look at it as, "Oh, we we're, we're all stuck in this house together. We ain't got no space." You know, it's the survival. Yeah, I was gonna say that, and that ended, it goes back to the conditioning of being more individualistic. Yeah. And uh, Jawanza Kanjufi talks about this. He literally was talking about how through each era. Um, that the economy changes 
you can dictate how relationships will change. Yeah. Right? So he talked about how like in the 40s, the 50s, that it was more family oriented, yeah. you know, due to the economic structure. But then once the industrial age literally got wiped out, it started to move towards like, okay, now we got the feminist movement that I put in place. Now men and women, specifically like black men and women, yeah. can't be in the household. And then once each era started to grow differently economically, it got to a point where I don't need you anymore, the individualistic. So it's like, we are taking you from the unity, the community type of mentality to you need to just do it on your own. Even even let's add punk rock in the nineties, like I love punk rock. I was I, I was even alive. I was not I born ninety six so I wasn't alive to experience it. But you know, being that little teenager I listened to a lot of punk rock. But digesting it now, thinking that this is what a whole generation was basing their whole movement of thought process on. There's a lot of people who are thinking to themselves that, you know, love sucks. There's no reason to have friends. Yeah. Everything fucking sucks. Everybody sucks. Punk rock, everything sucks. Yeah. I and mean, that's for 10, maybe 15 years where all of the music on the radio was just telling a generation of people, fuck, fuck life, fuck living. And so many, that's why so many punk rock artists, especially main, the, the actual people who wrote their own music, killed themselves. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm writing, I'm, you know, and I always tell people, you spell a word, so that's magic already. And then if you're using a pencil, a pencil is a hexagonal instrument, so that's a hex right there. So all day you just writing these spells and you just keep saying like my life is this and I feel this way and after a while it just kinda of, yeah, it just comes down to a to a head. So then now we go into the two thousands and you know, I seen a meme, it was like the kids of the two thousands, all the shows they were showing or the kids from the nineties, all the shows they were showing us, everybody was like angsty and like fuck my parents and stuff like that. And what wound up happening is that you know we they, they grew up y'all they, they grew up to be you know angsty and that and then now their kids are the ones being fed the sugar yeah. you know because now we have all of Lilo and Stitch and all these different power of friendship shows on yeah so it's now there's a now what winds up happening is there's a division between parent and child because the parent is like. Well, I feel like I don't need anybody. Yeah. So you don't need to have friends. You don't yeah. need to go outside. You just need Keep to be you isolated. You know, because I didn't need friends. Friends sucked. Yeah. I was in high school. Everybody made fun of me. So yeah. it just it. If you really sit back and and I tell you all the time, instead of being a gear in the system, just op- look at the system. You can see how it maneuvers and how you just can play a part in it. And yep. You can make the decision to leave out of it at this point. Okay. If you can get to that out of body the experience that level of awareness you know if you can get to that level of awareness that's key and then once you at that level of awareness you you know how to maneuver properly like you were saying you know you won't you will meet roadblocks but the roadblocks won't consume you mm-hmm. they won't they won't defeat you and now you're like okay i see this let me go around let me go over this shit because this this doesn't pertain to me anymore you know and that's when you you have created your own narrative. That's when you you move in your own God body, your own life. You know, you start moving in purpose more. Yeah. And, and, and plus, like, like I said, it goes back to how many of us have spaces to actually like heal and and, and to have that camaraderie with people who are actually going to pull us up. For black people, that is our nature. That is our nature is to be in tribes. It's a tribal instinct. Like, that's just us. That's how we maneuver. That is our strength. You feel me? We are not as strong as we can be when we're by ourselves. And we think that. And if you look at most, like, warrior, um, like, 
cultures or warriors you like what's the all. what's the um anime that just came out? Yazuki, Yasaki or yes, something Yasuke. like that. Yusuke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at him. You feel me? Like at the end of that John, he literally went back to the the, the colony or the tribe, wherever the community. And like his whole mentality of a samurai warrior is to be by yourself. Like you're supposed to be on your own. It's all about your own personal journey. But you're not your strongest when you're like that. You feel me? Because he was fighting out of fear. You know. Um, but it's just like once he was able to tap in with the rest of the the people, he fought amongst everybody else in a different capacity. His strength, his strength grew in numbers. Like, yeah. so it's just it's that man, and we are that type of individuals, you know. I think it also leads us also to like you say, like this specifically by community, like you know, we don't have anywhere or anyone, anyone to you know talk to, vent to, spiritually heal. And also, I think not having that also brings into you know making those generations and some before us have that you know fucking mentality. I'm mean, yeah. you know individual mentality. Fucking, I don't need anybody. You know. That third, if I show it, then I'm vulnerable. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's definitely good to have those type of circles that unity, the type of brotherhood around you. And let me not say that it's none. It, it's not enough. It's not. Yeah, it's yeah. not enough because yeah. I. It is a lot of different pockets, but I think it's like not enough to where it can appeal to. The masses, That's to where yeah. people are drawn to coming because people are still, you know, scarce and hesitant. Yeah. To you know. Just come in and be like, all right, maybe I can do this. It's so hard for me. It took me to like 23 year olds to even consider therapy. Yeah. Like, you know, it, t- it takes that while. Yeah, no, definitely. And, um, you know, I always just study different cultures. Like you said, warrior cultures. Any culture of warriors, until we start getting into nationalism, um, you know, when we're really thinking about like full nations or not like yeah. these areas that call themselves something. You know, like the Spartans, Sulus, yeah. um, um, some of like the uh, ninja tribe, the Khans, um, everything was family. Everything yeah. was every son will know how to do this, every daughter will know how to do that, every wife will do this, every man will do that. Everybody had a job and a role, and I feel like the destruction of that family structure yeah. is the one that plays the biggest part, specifically in our culture, because in other cultures. A lot of that stuff is like the sound of Google. Exactly. But within our own culture, especially African American culture or like the of American African American culture, um, a lot of the thing is, you know, I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna be my mom. I don't wanna be this. Yeah. I don't wanna I don't wanna I don't wanna and it's like But even but even with different cultures that exist within America, they still kinda follow suits to this. As much as white American women push for feminism with black American women, white American women behind closed doors, they're attending to their husbands, they're doing all the things, they're they're meeting all the needs. They just this this is what they do on Tuesday. Yeah. You know, this they're not really <laughs> not really for the cause. This is just something to get their steps in, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's uh it becomes this uh this cycle of we don't, I don't want to, therefore I don't need to. But the, the reality is you need to, and you need to want to. You need yeah. to be okay with being in this space because like I um, I ask a lot of women that wish to court me now, like, do you know how to be feminine? I ask them, you know, do you know how to be feminine? And then they'll ask me, um, well, uh, 
what uh, what do you mean by that? Like, or what does femininity mean to you? And I'm like, I can't define that. Mm. Because it's and they're waiting for you to say something, and they can call it crazy. At that, because at that point, that's what I'm trying to get them to understand. I don't define what makes you a woman, but if you can't define what makes you a woman, where are we going? Because mm. I'm, I like that. I'm a man, so I need a woman, so I can define what a man is. What a man is based off of what I do. But I can't define what a woman is supposed to be for me because, like you said, that would be degrading. And for me personally, it just makes the search a lot harder. I got all these stipulations. It's like, okay, do you do this? Do you do that? Do you? Yeah. So it's too much. So, you know, what does it mean to you to, be, a, to be feminine? Uh-huh. It's very um, conditional. And, it's, just like, now, it's just like, what do you... It's like kind of asking the whole... You bring to the table thing, and then women say, see, I didn't, the table. Yeah, see, I didn't like their answer to that, but I felt like there was no way I was going to get a more positive answer to that, just because it's a very quantitative question, yeah. and people don't like to be, they don't like to be quantified, they don't like to be, okay, well, how much money do you make? How many right. pushes can you do? You know, like, people start getting, feeling like that type of, or how much do you weigh? You know, people don't like to, they don't like to talk about the numbers of their life, because numbers are scary, because we live in a number value society yeah. like that. Yeah. The number of X that I have makes me Y, and that's just mm. the output of our society. Yeah. Um, so I don't like asking that question. I like asking the question of, you know, what does being feminine mean to you? Because, and, and what it means to be me, I know that I've dealt with a lot of women who didn't care to be feminine. Mm. And it shaped the way that I thought about women for a very long time. And I had to, I had to take the chisel and the hammer and break away from that because yeah. I don't want to treat every woman a certain way because of, how aunties and my mother and grandmother and you know different cousins and stuff like that. That is, that is definitely the perpetual like sense of behavior with men. Yeah, for sure. No, because mm-hmm. I have cousins that'll be like, oh fuck a fucking nigga, I don't need this, I need that. Yeah. So then that that kind of there's a lot of dudes in my family who be like, yeah, I can't trust no bitch. I got, look at my cousin. And I'm like, that's not fair to women who are nothing like the women. That's nonsense. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta, people are and people are a lot like scared to. Even give it a chance. I'm just like you saw all your energy, but of course you're gonna be exhausted. But yeah. you have to learn to read certain people and read certain, you know, traits that, like you said, that you're looking for. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you can explain that to them, and that person can't communicate with love. Yeah, I tell you all the time. I don't know what I'm looking for. I know when I find it though. That's what I'm saying. But you know what you at least are attracted to. Yeah, I, it's I've, I throughout this journey of life, I've learned more of what I don't like. Then knowing what I actually like, finally like, okay, this is what I like. Cause there's yeah. things that I've enjoyed and I've grown to not enjoy anymore. You know, I used to be the type of guy, I could smoke a quarter of weed every day. Now, if I smoke more than a quarter of this day, then I'm gonna sleep. Yeah. <laughs> like just a quarter of the day. But y'all still young when it comes to the finding and really understanding what you like in a woman. Mm. Yeah. I didn't really, it didn't really, really, really click for me until I probably was like, 27, 28, when it was very concrete yeah. and thorough. And it was just- Hopefully I figured that out two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Due to the experiences, you know, it's really about the experiences you have with women, you know? And then it's just like, okay, why are these experiences taking place? And it was always a, a self-reflection of yourself. Yeah, you always. always. And also always. too, like, at least with a lot of men who didn't have a lot of father figures in their life are also compared they try to compare women to their mother 
Yeah. Your mom will love you a whole different way than any other woman. Or yeah. your mom not may not love you at all. Yeah. That doesn't mean that love you can't I'm saying, love that's a woman. A whole different way. Yeah. Like, you can yeah. find a woman who can, you know, nurture you and shit like that. Her own nature. Yeah. But like you can't use that as your full-on example of any standards for women that you want to have a cultural relationship. Yeah. And and honestly, going towards that, I, I would say, especially with our, within our own culture, we box ourselves so much. Um, and that's like the, the goal and the understanding of the show is to really just undo the perspective of not having more perspectives. You know, I, I undo that thought process that I'm a black man, so therefore I only do this and I only do that. By speaking to different black men who have taken different walks of life and have figured things out differently, um, I think that's synonym for different. Um, I got to read more. Um, Sorry, but, me too. I'm yeah. just saying the same thing. I'm like, yo, my vocabulary is trash right here. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that last time I was screaming. I was like, why can I not say purpose? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm gonna No, real stuff. Real um, stuff. But um, you know, that's the whole purpose of the show is to break out of that mindset of, you know, I'm just gonna handle this one way because I'm a black man and that's how black men handle it. Sure. Um, and it's uh, it's very damaging in the duality when we're dealing with women, um, especially our women, because there's this idea of um, of what a black man is supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and I always say it's like, it's only really three extremes you can be. You're either like a super successful, clean cut, shape up every two days, black man with a suit on or you know you're drug dealing hyper aggressive um everything has to be hyper aggressive though no yeah. matter black man in a suit hyper aggressive you know black man in the streets hyper aggressive um or you're like an athlete or some form of like super testosterone filled yeah profession you know but if you were to be like you know i'm a painter yeah. I'm any type of artistry or anything that doesn't have to involve contact, yeah. then automatically you're viewed as a metrosexual person. Yeah. Less of a man. Oh, I know. Yeah. I, I used to get that a lot. Mm -hmm. I used to get that a lot. Oh, you're very metrosexual-centric. I am. I don't care, though. Yeah, no. But don't get it twisted, though. I still box your head off, though. Exactly. I, 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 yeah. And I play sports. I did all that shit. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I went back to what I really love. And it just that's what it goes back to your original question is like what what makes you you know who, who are you you know and it's like like you said unboxing the narrative that they have like confined us in and once you break that man when you start realizing you can create your own narrative and you can create your own reality sky's the limits man sky's the limits and you're never going to turn back and if you meet like a, a ecosystem of people that vibrate on the same frequency and that can support that and when you are down you can lean on them like that's what it's really about like people make it people think it's about mastering these complexities and it's really not it's about mastering the most simplest things in life which will make your life whole and become more peaceful and once you understand that you'll maneuver through life easy so i was uh i was taking a shit ton of psychedelics one day watching the Love Death Robots on Netflix. That's my shit. And oh, yeah. the Zima oh, Brew episode. No. So great. The Zima Brew episode just spoke to me in volume because I literally to this day still say I'm in search of my Zima Brew. That thing that's yeah. so simple that I, I every time I do it, I just have the complete joy of a task. It's well done. You know what I mean? 
to be able to live a, a more simpler life. You know, so even in that episode, this was uh, a, a sense of a being that was given sentience. It went through journeys and it upgraded itself to be able to handle the journey. And at the end of it all, it was like, I really just want to go back to the simplest part of the entire journey. And I think a lot of people skip that, especially in our culture, because our culture has been trained to not be simple. Yeah. You know, to be loud and um, demonstrative, but in ways that aren't simple. You know, like I, parts of our, the, the, and that's why I always tell people, the, people, the powers I work against, you know, the, uh, the collective consciousness they're not so smart that they make things they, they're so smart that they twist things yeah as as tribes no matter where the tribes were existing africa the caribbean islands some parts of the america with the aborigines everybody loud pink uh tribe colors we got our festivals we got our dances our music so we were always very loud and demonstrative but it was in, and in such a way that anybody could do it yeah it wasn't something like oh i got a dance i got a rolls royce i got this chain i got this big house to where now it's like it, it, it's not so much inclusive it was something as simple as yo go find some of these berries or this flower crush it up with some water paint your face however you want to do it it was Come, an abundance you know what i'm saying everybody could take a piece of it but now a lot of our culture is based off um exclusiveness and exclusivity and not including people and that's how we feel like we're getting up there as black people you know there's less black people where i'm at or there's less like it, it the, the less people i'm around i feel like i'm getting more and more successful and it's 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 sad to see because that's what leads to so much of our black professionals that's the illusion that they created you know yeah. oh yeah the more successful you are the, the more the individual you are the more you know you by yourself and you're alone you'll trust me you'll live a great life that is the that is the tale that is just not true that's not true man i have feel i feel way more accomplished when i achieve things with my group with my brother with my creative friends like right now we got you know give me my flowers right the exhibition and that was such a collective effort that this this body of work took place with the type of men and the type of direction that Shakira put together, that was such an accomplishment. Like that was monumental to me. Like to see her in that in that space, but then the people who were involved bringing it to life, that collective effort, man. I'm like, yo, this is what it's about. She would have never been able to achieve it at that level if she didn't have the right people by her side or the people working collectively to do that. Yeah, and that's what it's about, man. Yeah. Uh, you even take some of the uh, the sports aspects of things. Everybody always likes to talk about the greats as individuals, and where you always lose a lot of people when you talk about the greats as a team. You know yeah. that they had some of the right pieces. You know, whenever you tell people, you know, they had the right pieces around them, they they take it as you're subtracting from that individual's effort. Yeah, and I'm like, no, I'm just adding on top of their effort all the other efforts that were in proximity that created the actual thing that we're admiring right now. You know, it, it was such a collective uh, 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 show of, of a power, of force, of whatever, that now we can even enjoy whatever it is, the, the trophy, the, the, the art exhibition, the, the buildings. You know, everybody always wants to talk about the architect. No one's gonna talk about the construction workers. But they're the ones, you know, who- want to bring it to life. They the ones that bring it to life, man. And that's actually one of my keys to success. I got four keys that I look by that I know 
I'm like, if you live by these four keys, you'll be successful. It was discipline, consistency, networking, and collaboration. And the discipline is like, what are you willing to sacrifice in order to get where you need to go? Consistency. How often are you going to keep making that first step or taking that step to from crawling to walking to getting those results that you're looking for? And your network is your net worth. Like, who do you know? What resources do you have in your back pocket? Mm-hmm. And collaboration is like, ain't nobody do it by themselves. No one. You tell me a person that became successful by themselves, I would love to see their formula. Because it's impossible. Everybody played a part. Yeah. Mark Cuban, one of the richest um, you know, guys in our country, you know, Shark Tank, all of that. In his book, he speaks on how him and eight of his friends lived in a three-bedroom townhouse in Boston. He said, so wasn't a lot of fucking going on. But that wasn't what we was worried about. There was a basement that everybody kind of like, you know, like, oh, I got the basement tonight. They made it work. But essentially, this is how they looked at it. Back then, this was like early 70s, maybe late 70s, mid-70s. Rent was probably like 800 700 for this place, right? There's eight of them. This is a hundred dollars a week for each one of them. They all work in jobs making 10, almost 15 times that a week. So if we're just coming home, stacking our money up, we can start investing our money into things that everybody wants. They kind of create their own little susu. So it was like, all right, your idea's up next. Boom, we put our money into that. We're all shareholders in that. Boom, your idea's up next. We're all, and slowly but surely, like, People left the house, right? Their ideas took off. And it took, I think he said like eight or 10 years, but he was the last one to leave the house. And I mean, obviously, because if you're the last one here, this is your space now, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, but, and he just sat there, he rocked out. He took all the money he was getting from all what his friends were doing. And that's what pushed him to even be the big, like now he makes way more money than all of them because if you honestly look at it, he went last. Yeah. He let everybody get their feedings but now because they're strong, they have something to give to him. Yeah. And now he can just take from that, which he he's not even rightfully owed. It's just what his people feel like giving yeah. him. He can take from that and he can now do whatever the fuck it is he feels like. You know, and a lot of people are like, oh, some people, again, with that individual mindset, will say, oh, well, you know, he waited to the end so he could have the best piece. He didn't know that that's how it's going to work. Right. He didn't know that. He can't see into the future. He was yeah. just like, nah, go ahead, go ahead. He's like, realistically, he just didn't know what the fuck he was going to do. Yeah. He was just in a mind state of, like, everybody's still being so successful, and I don't even have an idea yet. Yeah. So he was more scared, but it wound up coming that after a while, he was living, and he just started to kind of figure out different investments, different business ideas, and, you know, that's just the power of a team. When I came home from college, I had maybe eight, nine friends, and um, we all played football together. We were all summer weed. And I'm like, you know, we probably all make at least $250 a week. Let's just get a house. You know, there's eight of us. We move in. We do other we get something on, on Main Street, you know, something that has like eight bedrooms, you know, something like that. It might be like twenty two hundred a month. But there's eight of us. So we just split it. Um, let's rock out, let's start building, let's start uh, people want to do music, I wanted to do media, somebody else wants to I'm like, all right, let's start investing all of this. It was like pulling teeth trying to get people to do that. Mm-hmm. It was like pulling it always teeth. is. It's always right about that cabinet. It's funny, 
I'm just a gentleman, never been a gangster. So when I'm peddling, I'm only out here trying to make some trouble. So when the devil did come around and start to shake stuff, dark bus rhyming, 10 o'clock, I met the takers. They trying to kill shit. Never told my mama all the shit that I would deal with. Had to watch where I walk or I step into some real shit. Many members in the back of that prison. I just can't have that decision. My ass gon' be sad, so I'm so Me. Especially this moment, so I'm sorry, all that shit you throwing, niggas pinned me. 
No, it's just, it's, it's, it's the, they, they, the likelihood of something happening with all those intricacies put together is very different. However, if something does happen, their insurance is going to go through the roof. Because it's like, you had cops, you had security, you had Jesus, and it's also about who, who you are about. That's funny because...
take a hard pitch for this human race. They're walking into a white man's yeah. Like, and, and you just gotta hold yourself to a certain standard. Like, this is not and I'm never be like, how much for it is. I'll be like, do I got like, X money? I always come to
put him in a box and be like, you don't gotta do that no more. Sometimes, for the fuck of it, I gotta go on a five day, don't talk to nobody, working in the Yeah, I wouldn't fuck with us either for our two different countries. Um, we don't really understand the level of privilege that we have, and that's why like a lot of foreign parents will come in and take their kids with you. So like, whatever you have, you should just want to be my personal slave. Um, so, <laughs> that's, uh, that's how the level of anything. But um, man, I really appreciate you having us, man, and uh, taking the time to figure out what it means to be you. I definitely a lot of people uh, taking your perspectives. I know me personally, I was recently introduced
uh, to, to, to uh, communicate and have that camaraderie with black other people, black men. Um, like I said, typical society happened with us. Uh, we're actually going to be working with these young fellas as well. Uh, we have so much more that's coming. I got, I got music that's going to be dropping. Um, yes, I'm doing a project with uh, Ela J. Uh, she's going to be dropping some dope art. I'm going to be uh, uh, collaborating with her. So many other people. So just tap in with me. You know, it's a pleasure to be on here. So uh, thank you again, y'all, for coming through. You know, it's going to be me. We, I mean, you know, I put this in for, for this human race. Right there, I put the link. Click. Click. God. Right there, my friend. But other than that, stay cool. You got Sandy Tech talking in the building. Yo, help me get in that side. Yeah, yeah. Shit, yeah. Easy, man. Get right up out that cabinet. Money command over fist. Y'all know the phrase. The boy, I have a shit. Johnson overdosed and AP psych. That shit is astral. Asked if I can hit the bathroom. Hit my lock. The trash is hate.